Chronicles of Bruce Street Mafia. This is a Red Dog Fred production. Welcome back, friends and listeners. Uh, today I'm going to start you with a quote from Carl Sagan. I have a foreboding of an America in my children's or grandchildren's time. When the United States is a service and information economy, when nearly all the manufacturing industries have slipped away to other countries, when awesome technological powers are in the hands of a very few, and no one representing the public interest can even grasp the issues, when the people have lost the ability to set their own agendas or knowledgeably question those in authority, when clutching our crystals and nervously consulting our horoscopes, our critical faculties in decline, Unable to distinguish what feels good and what's true, we slide, almost without noticing, back into superstition and darkness. Welcome back to the Logical Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Lodge. Thanks for tuning in again. This is brought to you by the Brewer Street Mafia. Big shout out to Mike Weatherford and the Mike Weatherford Show. Guys, uh, I know we've talked about uh, a little philosophy, and I don't want any of you guys to kind of tune out to this because this, this, I feel like today's, what we're going to talk about is is relevant to today and relevant to our society right now. Uh, We have a growing extremism that is found on the left. And it is found on the right. And I kind of want to address those things today and and break those down for you and kind of understand how they fall into a broader uh, philosophical sense and kind of understand why these aren't positions that are tentative that uh, we need to actually take. Um, these, These things need to be combated in a way uh, intellectually so that we can kind of protect ourselves, um, protect our minds, and have a solid ground to stand on when we are trying to understand the world around us. Um, Right now, the far left, the extreme left, uh, has dissolved any and all objective truth. So when I say objective truth, what I'm talking about is the the thought that there is anything, there is any reality outside of our own individual perspective. And this attitude, this uh, mentality is being manifested on the far left uh, in the results of something called identitarianism, which is the the idea that um, we are going to hyper focus on our identity and i've kind of said in the past that it's not what we believe or how we think necessarily that makes us who we are but it's what we do um so if if you're on the left and you identify as my little pony or whatever it is Great. That's that's not what I'm attacking. That's not what I am am wanting to talk about today. Uh, but I'm wanting to show you in in not so certain terms why this isn't a reality that can actually be solid ground to stand on. Um, and you might ask yourself, well, why is it that we need solid ground to stand on? And and that's that's what we're going to address. Um, mainly these two subjects that we're going to address are are going to actually deal with both the the far left and the far right. Um, the idea that is being propagated by the far left if and and what what really is causing the conflict so to speak um in 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 our society is this idea that everything is subjective okay so that principle is going to um we're going to kind of break down what that means what does it mean when i say that everything is subjective 
Well, I'm I'm talking I'm talking to the extent that there is no basic reality. In other words, our brains this is this is what's being propagated. Our brains um, consist of chemicals and tissue and biological matter. Notice I'm not saying mind. I'm intentionally not saying the mind, but I'm saying our brains because there is no mind when it comes to this position, this worldview that is being taken. Um, but our, our brains, according to them, our brains are just this, this chunk of flesh, this biological matter, and we perceive the world around us and we each have different brains. So we each perceive the world differently. Therefore, this is the conclusion. We're boiling this down. Therefore, there is no objective world that we can all see because we all equally see the world differently. Well, this sounds on its surface, okay, this might be true. It might not be true. A lot of you think, yes, this is how I view the world. This is truth. This is, this is correct. We all view the world through our brains subjectively, and we can't possibly know an objective reality about the world. Um, but we're going to kind of break this down and see why this is not the case. And this, once we do that, we'll kind of understand why, uh, this is creating such a conflict right now within our society. Um, you know, I, I kind of mentioned that we're going to talk about fallacies and one of the fallacies that, that, or rather the fallacy that we're going to talk about today is one, and it's, it's a big fancy Latin word, but we're going to, it's going to be really easy for us to understand. I, I really want you to follow me on this is reductio ad absurdum. And what that basically means is this, that once we reduce the worldview, once we reduce the position down to its very core tenets, down to the legs on which it stands, it becomes absurd. In other words, it's a um, self-deprecating, a, a, um, a position that invalidates itself from its very basic core tenets. So let's, let's break this down. Let's kind of unpack this. And I know this is going to sound boring. I know this is going to sound boring guys, and I'm really not trying to bore you, but for us to understand what is going on in the world, again, we have to be able to think and we have to be able to understand what critical thinking is. We have to be able to understand that there are rules in which it is that we think. And if you don't believe me, again, I want to point out that we have this device right here. This device right here runs on those same rules, which is logic. And I'm not making a false equivocation by saying, oh, well, computer logic is different from philosophical logic. It is to some degree, but uh, for, the, for the most part, computer logic, the logic that runs these things, uh, is the same logic that we should be applying and how it is that we see the world. And, and, and I, like I said, I'm not just going to pick on the left, but right now we're going to talk about this, this idea of cultural relativism, of subjectivism, the idea that we cannot know solid truth. And again, we're going to, sh I'm going to show you, we're going to both see how this is an untenable, uh, un untenable position for us to adopt, for us to uh, uh, apply to our everyday lives. Because I'm here to tell you right now, nobody applies this to their everyday life. It would be impossible to imply this to your everyday life, to think that there is no objective truth is an absurd position. So let's let's break this down on its very core and basic tenet. The basic tenet is this. The, the proposition is this. The left says there is no objective truth. So maybe some of you caught it, maybe some of you didn't. So what are they actually saying? What is the unspoken fallacy here? What they're actually saying is this. They're actually saying the only objective truth is that there is no objective truth. To say 
There is no objective truth to say that we only see the world through the lens of our brains, through the lens of the, the neurochemicals and the compounds and, and the, the brain waves and all this, however our brain works, to say that that's the only way in which we perceive the world. You're making a universal truth claim. In other words, you're making a claim about all of humanity, about all of perception, uh, that from the past um, to the present um, and into the future, that we cannot know truth. Your claim is this. I, in, in, in different terms, in different terminology, your claim is this. I am certain that there is no certainty. That is reductio ad absurdum. We have reduced that. We have reduced that mindset to its very core tenet, and it is invalidating itself. Now, if this angers you, if this upsets you, what I'm saying, um, I'm just going to ask you to pump the brakes. And again, I want you to be open-minded because remember the left, if, if you are, if you are this extreme, extreme left, remember you're the people that are supposed to be open-minded. And in fact, what's, what's comical to me is that's kind of your, your motto. That's kind of the, 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 the thing that drives your focus is that we should be open-minded to everything except dogmatism, except a, a, a dogmatic approach to the way in which we think. And I'm telling you right now that there is a dogmatic approach to the way in which we think. And if you, if your position is, well, no, we have to be open-minded. There is no dogmatic approach to the way in which we think you're committing the basic fallacy that I'm talking about right now, which is reductio ad absurdum. You are saying, I dogmatically say that there is no dogmatic approach to the way in which we think. So I'm sure if you're still watching this, some of the, some of the right is clapping their hands and they're saying, yeah, get them. Yeah, man, you're annihilating their positions. Heck yeah. Well, we're going to get to you in just a second. We're going to talk about your positions and how really they're the same. Um, and again, if you've listened to the, the previous podcast, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to hammer this point home. There is no difference between the left and the right. Um, they are really one and the same. Again, I just, I just want to clarify that these are, uh, this is from our previous podcast, we talked about a false dichotomy. This is a false dichotomy to say that these are the only two positions with which exist. Um, so if you do identify as my little pony, I, 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 I really want to, I really want everyone to understand that you should have the decency as a human being to give that person that understanding to call them whatever it is that they want to be called. And, and you know, if, uh, if you were raised with, with, with decency by whoever raised you, you called people sir, you called people ma'am, even though some of those people probably shouldn't have been called sir or ma'am, right? Because, uh, you know, some of those people weren't too great, but you still had that respect. So if, if another human being wants to be called my little pony or whatever it is that they want to identify as, show them on a personal level that respect. Now, that doesn't mean that that is now your reality. That doesn't mean that that ideology has been pushed onto you because you're being respectful to another human being that you have to accept their reality, that, that you have somehow absorbed the tenets of that untenable position like we talked about, that the, the entire world is subjective and there is no objective truth. That just means that you're being a good person. Now, you know, and I, and I kind of I kind of want to change course here and, and kind of want to slide over to the extreme of the right. Um, this is 
to me, more terrifying than the extreme of the left, because to me, the extreme of the left, it, it, it even though these people are very loud, even though these people are very uh, uh, boisterous in, in their opinions, um, they're... I have enough respect for for human beings to 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 call them and you know call them whatever it is that they want to be called to to show compassion and care to those individuals um but what scares me more than that is the extreme right and one of the positions of the extreme right um and it's something I wasn't very familiar with to be honest until until recently is something called Christian nationalism now you're probably sitting here scratching your head and saying, "How does how is John? I'm, I'm following you down these rabbit holes, but but how is Christian nationalism the same as the far left? These things both seem in, incompatible, and we're going to get to that. We're going I'm going to show you how they are both essentially the same position because. Uh, spoiler alert, they both have to do with this untenable idea of subjectivism, of the idea of cultural relativism. But let's just kind of talk about what it is Christian nationalism is and what makes it so dangerous and what makes it so uh, 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 more dangerous, let's say, than, than the extreme left. So Christian nationalism is the idea that we should bring our country back to the the way in which it was founded. Um, that it was founded on Christian beliefs, and that we should bring our country back to those Christian beliefs. Now, we're just going to stop right there and just kind of examine what that means. Um, first of all, one of the things that makes this so terrifying is that they're being historical revisionist. So what's a historical revisionist? It's exactly what it sounds like. It's someone who is revising history. It's someone who is making history what into something what it was not. Now, this is a classic move when it comes to implementing propaganda. When we, uh, uh, when people want to revise history, 99.9% uh, .9 of the time, it's never a good thing. It never works out for the people. Um, revising history is a way in which you can implement uh, ideologies that would never be able to be implemented unless you revise that history in the first place. So, so why? What? What part of Christian nationalism am I? Am I making the claim has is revising history? Are they being? Are are they being historical revisionists? Well, mainly that this country was founded on Christian principles. That's right. It wasn't. Please, and I and I and I ask you to write in. I ask you to leave in the comments, whatever it is. What founding father? was a Christian, and how did that founding father implement that core set of beliefs into the foundation of this country? Who was it? I'm listening. Yeah, crickets. That's what I thought. Most of them were deists. Okay, most of the founding fathers were deists, and if you're not familiar with the idea of deism, it's the idea that um, there was a God, there was a creator, um, he was the first cause, the first mover, um, he, he, he was, uh, the, the analogy they use is like a clockmaker, he makes a clock and then he has nothing to do with it, right? So, so the deists believe that, that, yes, there is a God, um, He's outside of, of the reality that he's created, and he, he doesn't uh, have anything to do. He's kind of set up the mechanisms for the reality to work. Somehow consciousness has developed, or maybe he implemented it for, you know, to, for it to eventually become this. I, I'm not really sure because there's different lines of thought in, in deism itself as to what that means. And I'm not talking about people that are like, oh, yeah, man, we got to be like one with the universe, man. Like, like we have to be one with everything. That's something different. That's called pantheism. And pantheism, unfortunately, is taking hold in my generation right now uh, because they see these extremes. They're seeing the extremes of the left. They're seeing the extremes of the right. And they're kind of grab. They're kind of grasping towards anything they can because they they don't want to be Christian nationalists and they don't want to identify as My Little Pony. So they they are you know just like. 
giving themselves hugs and they're they're taking psychedelics and they're like, oh yeah, man, like I took my psychedelics and like, you know, like we're just all one, dude. Like the molecules are just like vibrations, dude, like energy, dude. And it's like all, it's all one, man. And we'll talk about pantheism at a later date and how that itself really is a ridiculous worldview. Um, and how that is not a, a a way in which we can critically think about the world. But today, you know, we're we're to get back on track. We're going to talk about Christian nationalism. But uh, I, you know, the founding fathers they they didn't set up a country based on Christian ideologies um, at all. And if you read the writings of the founding fathers, yes, a few of them were Anglican or Presbyterian or Methodist or any of these kind of old school uh, Protestant denominations. Um, and I and I will say, I, I will say, historically speaking, just so I don't get called out by the right wing fact checkers, um, yes, a lot of the country was people coming over here to escape religious persecution. Um, so, so yes, in a sense, there were people that were a part of the beginnings of America that were Christian because they had different Christian belief systems. They were kicked out of the European countries that they were living in, uh, and they came over here because of religious freedom. Now, that's, that's where it stops, guys, is, is right there, that, that, those two words, religious freedom. Religious freedom is what was implemented by our founding fathers. So there is no good old days of going back to Christianity, of going back to the, 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 the Christian United States. It, it, didn't, it didn't exist. It never existed. Okay? Our, our government, from its very beginning, which was, again, founded by deists, not Christians, um, but was founded on the tenet of religious freedom. They found it very, very important that we should be able to have idiots like myself speak into a microphone and say whatever it is they want, um, you know, uh, freedom of speech. And they also found it important, like idiots like myself, to believe whatever it is that we want to believe. So, uh, again, I'm not knocking the deist or the pantheist or, or, or the whatever. I, I, I'm, just, I'm just giving you the tools to better understand how to think. Uh, kind of showing you, opening the door, because our, our, our society right now doesn't believe that there are tools in which we can think. And, and it comes back down to that, that terminology, subjectivism. We don't, we, think, we don't believe that there is a way to think or not a way to think. But again, that is committing that fallacy because we're saying, I am certain of uncertainty. I am certain that there is no certain way to think. Do you, do you follow me? Do you see how the legs are just kicked out from under these positions immediately? And why they, if you are serious about the way in which you look at the world, if you are serious about um, changing the world and making it a better place, then you have to be serious about the way in which you perceive it. You have to be serious about the way in which you think. So I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm not trying to push anyone away, but but hopefully you'll you'll kind of take a step back and you'll you'll think about what I'm saying. So again, what makes Christian nationalism so dangerous is one, it's historical revisionism. And two, and this is how it relates heavily to the far left, and this is what I really want you to think about, you, you people out there that are considering uh, uh, getting the flags and the symbology or whatever they have out there to be a Christian nationalist. This is what I really want you to think about if this is something that's maybe in your, your purview and you're, you're thinking, man, you know, I could go for that because it's going to help fight against this far left, which I don't understand, and, and, it's, and it's foreign and alien to me. Um, and we, yeah, yeah, I agree. We need to bring back these Christian principles. Um, are you sure? Which Christian principles exactly do you want to bring back? Which ones? There's 33,000, over 33,000 different Christian denominations. Okay? And I'm not here to bash Christianity. I'm a Christian myself. 
<gasps> oh my gosh, right? Shocker. I'm not here to bash Christianity, but which of these Christian denominations do you want to be your overlords? Which ones are you wanting to vote into office and to pass laws um, that are going to be favorable towards you? And I'm not going to pick on any, but I'm just going to, I'm going to talk about some of the extreme ones. And if you're thinking about Christian nationalism, I want you to really think, do you want these people to be your overlords? So let's think about some of the more extreme ones. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Well, what happened in Waco, Texas? Who were those people? Hmm. Fundamentalist Latter-day Saints. So let's just let's just talk about Waco. Do you want the fundamentalist Latter-day Saints to be a part of your Christian movement? Now, I realize that Joseph Smith was driven out of Illinois and all that, and he went to Utah for religious freedom. And, and if you are a fundamentalist uh, uh, Latter-day Saints, by all means, I'm not attacking you. I think you should have religious freedom to do and practice your religion as long as it's not hurting anyone. As long as you're not hurting yourself or others, you should be able to practice this. And that will, that's what makes this country the greatest country in the world and the greatest country that will probably ever exist is the fact that we do have these tenets and we do have these this ability to practice freedom of religion. But to you Christian nationalists out there, is that someone that you want? Do you want the the the, the, the snake holders, the, the people that hold snakes? And, and dance around and shake on the floor and speak in tongues, the, the extreme you know, Pentecostal denominations and, and the mountains of Appalachia, do you, do you want them to, to be your overlords, to write the rules that you're going to have to follow? You know, they, they take a verse from, I believe it was Mark 16 or the end of Mark. I think it's Mark 16. They take a single verse that says, you know, you can uh, hold serpents. And, and if you have faith, you know, the faith, or if you carry the faith, whatever, however the wording is, that you'll be able to ward off even snake bites. And, and so these people are, you know, out in these, these podunk towns in Appalachia holding, you know, timber rattlesnakes. Is, are those the people that you want? Who exactly, which, which one of these extreme versions of Christianity, uh, and, and, and to those of you that are saying, oh, well, we know. We know who, who the Christians are and who the Christians are. And, th and uh, this is the right. Again, I'm, I'm, har I'm harking on the right right now. Um, yeah, we know. We know who the Christians are. Do you? Uh, what, what, what's that lowest common denominator? Is it the is it the moniker of just I believe in Christianity? Is that is that is is that is that fit the the bill? Right? So do you have to be Trinitarian? Do you have to believe in the Trinity? So you can be a Jehovah Witness? Do you want a Jehovah Witness to be your overlords to make the laws that are going to bring us back to this non existent uh uh this non existent time uh which you know, to, 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 to bring about this, this Christian nation, are those the people that you want to make the rules? Okay. So they have to believe in the Trinity. So that's, that's going to knock out the Jehovah witness and they can't have, uh, extra prophecies or that's going to knock out the Mormon. I mean, do you, do you understand it's, 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 Again, it comes back to the idea of subjectivism. And I, again, I'm not picking on uh, Pentecostals holding snakes. I'm not picking on uh, the, the fundamentalist Latter-day Saints. I'm not picking on Jehovah Witnesses. I, I know these people. I love these people. Uh, they're my brothers. They're my sisters. Um, and by all means, as long as you're not hurting people, as long as you're not hurting yourself, by all means, have the freedom to choose and practice whatever religion you want. But I'm giving you, again, we're, we're critically thinking about the positions that we are taking. And if this is making you angry and upset, take a deep breath and think. What, what's he trying to say? What is, what's, 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 what, what's this logical dude trying to say right now? What's he trying to say? How is he making the comparison between the far left and the far right? How are they both the same? Well, to talk again about the far right, this is subjective. You are asking for a subjective worldview 
about Christianity, one that is full of 33,000 different denominations, 33,000 different ways for us to view Christianity, and I'm not even including the 10, you know, Catholic uh, 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 worldviews or, or denominations or however you want to phrase it. You know, I'm just talking about the, the 33,000 different Protestant denominations because essentially it is the Protestants that are, are pushing for this idea, this far-right, ide- this dangerous far-right ideology of Christian nationalism. But it's subjective. Guys, it's subjective. You are subjectively looking at this religion and saying, I'm going to pick and choose which ones I want to control this country, which ones I want to bring about this Christian nation, or bring about the good old days, again, that never existed. You're being subjective. The very criticisms you have of the left of, oh, well, they just believe anything they want. They just make up anything they want. Dude, you're doing it too. You're doing the exact same thing with your Christian nationalism. Religious freedom is important. It's important because if you're not a student of history, please, by all means, familiarize yourself with what happened after the Reformation and the wars and the bloodshed. Familiarize yourself with the Crusades. Familiarize yourself with uh, uh, the implementation of, of Buddhism in the Indus Valley. Familiarize yourself with, with what um, you know the Japanese under their state religion did to um, the, 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 the Korean Peninsula. Um, and I'm not saying by any means religion is, is terrible. Because if we were to, and this is where this is going to kind of drive the left crazy, because this is they're probably like, yeah, man, it's religion, it's 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 the cause of everything, it's it's the cause of all these horrible problems. I mean, statistically speaking, the 20th century has more bloodshed that has been driven by atheistic views than all of the world religions. Now, I understand there's a lot more people to kill in the 20th century, so they kind of got a, a, a head up. But, uh, you know, by, by no means am I picking on religion. Um, but this, this idea that we have that is creeping into our society of, of Christian nationalism, it is a direct response to the far left. And the far left, guys, has been captured. And if you are on the far left, I really, really want you to think about where you got your ideas. I really want you to think, because you think you're an original thinker, you think you're open-minded, and I'm here to tell you that you're probably not. You're probably not as open-minded as you think. Because, you're again, you're open-minded to the idea that everything is subjective, but you're not open-minded to the idea that there's an objective reality. And I kind of mentioned before that nobody believes, nobody actually lives their life thinking that there is no objective reality. I mean, everyone uses math, which is part of an objective reality, right? Like the number three, where, where does that exist, guys? Is that in my brain? Is that, is that in the, the neurochemicals in my brain? Does the the concept of the number three exist in my brain, or, or or is it because I'm I'm empirically seeing three things? So it takes a viewer, it takes someone to see three things for the number three to exist. No, 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 no. We don't live our lives like that. No one lives their lives like that. There, the you know, numbers, mathematics is a prime example that there are objective truths. The fact that there is physical things around us, right? Myself included. I'm a physical thing is a statement that there is objective truth. Because we can use science, right? We can use science to understand the objectivity of what is true and what is not. So what do I mean by that? What do I mean? How do, how do we use science? How is, you're saying, hold up, hold up. Science, I got you on this one, logical dude. I got you on this one. Science only uses empirical data. It only uses observational data. False. It does not. It uses 
objective truths to understand the observations that are being made, right? So, like, take the scientific method. I I, I love science. Uh, I'm a huge proponent of it. Um, I study it every day uh, from mycology to dendrology and so forth and so on. We happen to use the scientific method, right? The scientific method is the perfect way for us to understand the world around us, for us to take a hypothesis and test it and try to prove it wrong, right? Again, it doesn't try to prove it right. It tries to prove it wrong. But that is the perfect methodology for us to understand the world around us. Okay, well, where in the world around us, where in the physical world does the scientific method exist? Under, where is it? Under the phone? Where is it? The scientific method, again, is the most correct way for us to understand the objective world, the physical world is itself not physical. It's not a physical thing. It's an objective truth, an objective reality that exists outside of the physical world. It's a method for us to understand the physical world. So really today, man, I, I just, I, I want to drive home two, two very, 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 very important things. Again, the far left, the far right, they're one and the same. They're operating off the same principles. If I were to make bullet points of the far left thinks this way, the far right thinks this way, so forth and so on, they're going to be nearly identical because it comes down to subjectivism. It comes down to cultural relativity, right? That, that the truth that we're applying and the way in which we're thinking is relative to the viewer, is relative to the person that is trying to observe it. And again, what fallacy is that committing? What's the fallacy of the day, folks? Hey, kids, here's the fallacy of today. It's called reductio ad absurdum. The, the tenets in which you're building your worldview right? The, the, the legs in which you are establishing this worldview, I'll be whether it's Christian nationalism on the far right or identitarianism on the far left, both come back to subjectivism. They both come back to this idea that there is no reality outside of our own personal reality. I am certain of uncertainty, the truth of the matter is, there is no truth. We can phrase it however you want. But this, this is 101 philosophy. When you walk into any, you know, uh, uh, freshman philosophy class, this is the first thing you're going to have to deal with is cultural relativism and how it is just a farcical position to take. And yet we're slitting each other's throats because we want to identify as this or we want to believe this. And they both are actually the same thing. They're both the exact same thing, guys. And so if you're still, if you're still listening to this, if you haven't fallen asleep or you haven't gotten so angry that you're, you know, I don't know, taken to the streets with pitchforks and... Uh, you know, torches or, or you know, you, you, you've got to get into your yoga positions and dye your hair purple or whatever, you know, whatever it is that you have to do. If you're still listening to this, guys, just take a breath and really consider your own views. Actually be open-minded. Actually be open-minded to what it is that I'm saying that, yes, there is a way in which we all think. Yes, th there are rules in which we all abide by, whether we want to or not, whether we believe we do or not, um, but we all do abide by those same rules. We all do follow they, those same rules, and, and, and I, I want to carry you with me on this journey because I feel like this is the way in which we escape 
this torturous um, society, this zeitgeist that's being projected onto us. Uh, this is the way in which we escape being our neighbor's enemies because we're not. And I, and I, I said that before, you know, and I tried to drive that point home. We're not each other's enemies. Our enemies are those people that are making these laws that are taking more and more of our money, that are taking more and more of our time, that are making us do more and more things that are restricting our freedoms. Those are our enemies. Our enemies are those people that are starting wars under false pretenses and, and, and washing our money in foreign countries and funneling that money um, you know, back into the United States. Our enemies are those that are creation are that are creating the inflation problem that we're having right now our enemies are those politicians and they're all it's guys it's all politicians and we're starting to realize that now um our our enemies are those that say and promise that they're going to do something and then they never do it they never ever ever do it and then we're supposed to be on their side not because we believe them, but because the other side is so terrible and it's so scary. Oh my gosh, the left, it's, it's terrible. It's scary what they're doing. And oh my gosh, the Christian nationalists, it's terrible and scary what they're doing. And they're one and the same. I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you that this, this developmental, uh, um, amnesia that we have is because one, we're, we aren't students of history and two, we're rejecting uh, our ability to think because we we don't think there is a way in which we can think again we're certain of our uncertainty i think there is no way for us to think i mean this is again the, the word of the day reductio ad absurdum it's absurd we're reducing this down to its very core tenets and and i'm trying to show you in 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 as many different ways as possible how this way of thinking is not good it's not healthy because deep down inside, you know it to be true. Deep down inside, as much as you want to latch on to this or you want to latch on to that, you know it's not true. But you're so scared of the other. You're so scared to have a conversation with the other. You're so scared of what the other is bringing that you're willing to side with these extremes. And that truly is what should be terrifying. We still have freedom of speech. We still have freedom of religion. So, so use those freedoms. Use those freedoms again to sit down with your neighbor, to sit down with someone that you don't agree with and have a conversation. Does that mean you're going to get up and you're both going to agree? Absolutely not. But what hopefully what's going to happen is it's going to be a reflection on yourself. You're going to reflect on yourself and you're going to think, man, you know, I, 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 I heard what they're saying. I heard what the, the other side is saying. I don't agree with it. But now I kind of have some tools to understand why it is that I don't agree with it. And if, if you want to go for the A in the class, so to speak, <laughs> hopefully after that conversation, you've thought about your own positions. You've thought about your own way of thinking, your own worldviews, your own understanding of how it is that we think, and you're, and you're sitting here saying to yourself, hmm, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe my position on this should change. Because that's truly freeing. I mean, if you truly want to be free, if you truly want to be an independent thinker, if you truly want freedom from the shackles that have been silently and slowly slipped around our wrists, you have to think for yourself. You have to, to start this, di this inner dialogue with yourself. But it's hard. It's difficult. It's difficult for us to do this. It's difficult because there's a million distractions. We are not good at thinking. We are not good when it, when it comes to being left alone. No one wants to be left alone. We have endless sources of entertainment right here, right? Take five minutes, guys, after this podcast. Take like 
10 minutes, 20 minutes, you know, no, no, no TV, no, whatever it is, no, you know, bachelor, whatever it is that you're watching or ridiculous, you know, just radioactive crap that's being broadcasted into your brain, you know, whatever TikTok or whatever dumb stuff that you're distracting yourself with. Take some time to think about what it is that I'm saying. Take some time to think that, hmm, yeah, that whole way of viewing the world, of being subjective about everything. I, I see the point that 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 Jonathan's making. I see the point that the far left, the far extremes of the left and the far extremes of the right are really holding the exact same position. So when he says there is no left and there is no right, it's not that he's being an anarchist because I'm not by any means. It's that he's saying there's no difference between the two. And man, that makes a lot of you mad. Man, if 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 <laughs> that makes a lot of you mad. If if you if you identify as my little pony and I say there's no difference between you and a red hat trumper, man. The red hat trumpers are going to be mad at this one, huh? For me to say that. But take some time and think about what it is that I'm saying. I'm telling you're holding the same positions. You're holding the same worldviews. Are you open-minded enough to take a step back, to think about the other's position, and then again go for the A-plus in the class and think about your own position? I, I mean, I do it constantly. I constantly readjust the way in which I think about the world. Does that make me better than anyone? Absolutely not. I'm not saying that makes you better or worse. What I'm saying is it frees you. It's freedom. It's freedom to be released from the prison that you have created in your own mind to fit yourself in these boxes. And we want to be in boxes because we don't want to be lonely. We want to be social creatures. Well, what if we were in a society that allowed us and encouraged free thought, true free thought, not free thought in the right wing sense or free thought in the left wing sense, but true freedom. We, we have no teams here, right? That, that we can objectively look at, you know, some of these hot button issues like immigration or whatever it is. And, and, and we can, we can actually look at that with an open mind. And then when the news gives us things that really doesn't concern us, like the the queen died. Oh my gosh. We okay, great. She's not our queen. It's not it has nothing to do with us. It's not going to affect the world really in any way possible. That's probably a distraction. It's probably a distraction that uh, you know, um Johnny Depp is getting a divorce or or some WNBA player is being sentenced to prison in Russia or what. These are probably distractions, guys, um from the issues that are actually ripping us apart. Um well, what's the Federal Reserve doing? Uh, what are we doing with foreign uh, oil, you know, supply chains? What what are we doing with uh, our money? What's happening on the stock market? What's happening um, with these extreme positions that are being, you know, pushed onto us, that are being shoved down our throats? What's happening there? That's what you should probably be focusing on. But you have to do it with a clear mind. And to do it with a clear mind, again, you have to turn inwards. You have to think for yourself, which is terrifying. I'll admit, it's terrifying to, to, to actually say, man, I might be wrong. Because the problem is, we're all so ready to share our opinions at the top of our lungs at the others, whoever the others are, we're also ready to share that opinions that if we were to take time and actually think about the opinions that we have and to take time to actually take a step back and say, hmm, maybe that's not the way I should think about things. If we were to take that moment, now we have to eat crow with those people that we were screaming at. So be slow to speak. Be slow to speak. Be slow to share your opinions from here on out. From this, say, after I listen to this podcast, I, I'm going to be quiet and still. And I am going to think about my own positions. I'm going to think about the positions of others. And I'm going to try to look at it, what? Objectively. 
because we don't live in a subjective world. Okay, and again, that position is absurd. When we reduce it down to its very basic premise, whether you're an identitarian or whether you're a Christian nationalist, when we reduce your position down to its very core tenets, you are saying, I believe that the only reality is subjective. I believe in the unbelief. I am certain of uncertainty. I am making a broad universal statement that, that, that covers all of humanity from the past, present, and future. I'm making a universal truth claim about the world, and that universal truth claim is there is no universal truth claims. Reductio ad absurdum. And again, guys, I'm, I'm, I really want to reiterate, I'm not hating on, if you want to identify as my little pony, I love you. I'm telling you right now, I love you. I love that. That's great. You have the freedom to do that. And I'm going to be respectful of you. And I'm going to, to call you whatever you want to be called. It's not going to be my reality. My reality is going to be that it's your reality and that it's a, that you're a human being. And this is how you think, and this is how you view the world, and this is how you view yourself. And I'm going to love you, and I'm going to show that love. And if and the same for the Christian nationalist. And I'm not, and, and I really want to clarify, I'm not picking on Christianity, um, but I'm picking on this idea that we're going to bring back this nation to the good old days of of, of standing up for Christian principles, because I'm here to tell you that that never existed. And and if you're a Christian nationalist and you say, okay, it may be, it may not have existed, but we need to bring it, we need to bring it back, or or we need to make it so. Rather, we need to make it happen. Again, I really want you to think about those thirty-three thousand different denominations, and which ones are you going to allow to be your overlords? Which ones do you want to make the decisions to govern your life? Is it the snake handlers? Is it the FLDS? Who is it? And what is the measure in which you judge them? Because I'm here to tell you right now, it's the same measure, the way in which you judge them, those denominations, is the same measure in which identitarianism. It all comes down to a subjective reality. And again, this is not a tenable worldview. So I'm going to leave you. And I really want you to think about these things. And when you turn this off, do yourself a favor. Please just try this and think. Turn, turn off all distractions and think. Think about these things. And if I'm wrong, man, I want to hear about it. But thank you for watching the Logical Podcast. Again, this is brought to you by the Brewer Street Mafia. Big shout out to Mike Weatherford and the Mike Weatherford Show. Catch him on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Mike, if you're watching... Thanks, buddy. Guys, friends, we'll see you later.